0: Well, we took a couple of weeks off from our study of the book of Ephesians because we had Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday. But now I want to return to our study of the book of Ephesians. And we are in the very last chapter, in the very last section. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 13. Actually, we're going to take Today and next Sunday morning to look at this important start to this this introduction to this section, verses 10 through 13. And we are going to spend, as a church, a lot of time on the subject of spiritual warfare in the armor of God. As we work through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18... Through verse 18 and then on through the end of this book, the end of the chapter. Um, I just want us to go carefully and slowly through each piece of the armor of God. And I believe that the subject of spiritual warfare and the armor of God is extremely important for our church family. Extremely important for each one of us as individual believers in Jesus Christ. So we're just going to continue on with this, even through some of the special days. For example, on Mother's Day, we're going to look at what it means to be a mom in the midst of spiritual warfare. On Father's Day, we're going to look at what it means to be a dad in the midst of spiritual warfare. And so, as we come to this last section of the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 10 through 13, this is what we read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, our first point this morning is spiritual warfare and Ephesians. I want us to see the reality of spiritual warfare and the importance of the armor of God in the context of the book of Ephesians. Now there are, and and some of you know this, there are many excellent studies on the armor of God out there. There really are. I could point you to a number of Bible studies that you could do from gifted teachers. One of the things that I hope will be a little bit unique about this approach is I don't want to just study the armor of God and just study spiritual warfare. I want to look at it in the context of the book of Ephesians because that's where it's found. And as you study the epistle to the church at Ephesus, as you understand it, then it heightens, it heightens our understanding of spiritual warfare. We think back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Really the gateway into the whole book. That tremendous verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that sets the tone for the whole book. And it is powerful. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. Later in chapter 1 we are told that we have this great inheritance in Christ and that we have been sealed. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. In chapter 2, we are told that we were, formerly we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ. And then we are told that we are saved by grace through faith. And this not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. and we learn of the rich grace of God. In chapter three, we are told of the great mystery to the Gentiles, that the Jews and Gentiles in Christ become one new man, and the dividing wall of hostility between them is now torn down, and we are the church together. ...believing Jews and believing Gentiles... ...with all that we have in Christ. In chapter 4 we are told that we have a supernatural unity... ...and we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In chapter 4 we are also told that we are to put off the old self... ...and to put on the new self in Christ... ...to know who you are in Jesus Christ... In chapter 5, we are told, we are commanded to be imitators of God. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's in this context, imitating God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ that we are then told that wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. We are told that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We are told that children are to obey their parents. We are told that parents are to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are told that employees are not simply to work for their employer, but they are to work... As if Jesus Christ himself is their supervisor, always watching them. They are to work as unto the Lord and not to men. And that employers are to know that their master and savior, Jesus, is always watching them. And so how they treat their employees is extremely important to God. And then Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. And here's the thought folks. In the context of the book of Ephesians. If you're going to carry out. Chapter 1 verse 1 through chapter 6 verse 9. You are going to come. Right into conflict. With Satan and his host of demons. There is if you seek. To really understand who you are in Christ. And what you have in Christ. And to live out the grace-filled, grace-infused Christian life. If you truly seek to do it, you are going to walk right into the middle of spiritual warfare. A big part of the schemes of the devil is to get you to doubt who you are in Christ or to forget who you are in Christ. Satan loves that. He wants to distract you in your Christian life. Something else that I want you to notice as we move along in this series, so important, the armor of God that we will look at in future weeks, piece by piece. Remember this, the armor of God is the word of God. The armor of God is the word of God. When we talk about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes that are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, when we talk about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and praying in the spirit, when we talk about the armor of God, we are talking about the Word of God because that's where we learn what the armor is and we learn how to put on the armor. If you say, Pastor Tim, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Well, you're going to find out in the weeks to come. You're going to find out in the weeks to come what it means to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. But I want to start out this morning by reminding us of the reality of spiritual warfare in all of our lives. As a pastor, as a Christian, as I talk with people, as I counsel with people, I just sense powerful, deep spiritual warfare that people go through. Tony Evans, in his book, Victory Over Spiritual Warfare, says this, He says, always remember when you are in a deep problem or conflict in your life, the problem appears to be visible and physical, but its root is found in something that is invisible and spiritual. Your conflict may seem to be solely visible and physical, but it has its root in something that is invisible. And spiritual. I've shared with you many times before. The Christian life. Is not like a war. It is not similar to a war. It is a war. It is a war. It is a real war. Between God and his angelic hosts. And Satan and his demonic hosts. And unfortunately many Christians don't realize this or choose not to acknowledge the intense conflict that surrounds them. But this fact alone, the fact that we are engaged in a hostile war, can have an important impact on your spiritual life. The more that you think that God owes you a life of ease and comfort, the more frustrated you will become in your Christian life. The more you think that God owes you a life of ease and comfort, the more frustrated you will become in your Christian life. Knowing that I am constantly embroiled in a battle at least helps me to understand what is going on around me and in me. I want to challenge you with this thought. There is much to be learned from terrorist attacks and their relationship to spiritual warfare in the Christian life. In verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Spiritual warfare is an intense battle that is always going on. We are not fighting like in a terrorist war, like the United States fights. We are not fighting a single nation or an obvious enemy. The the terrorists are spread out in many different places and they attack at unexpected times, in unexpected places, and in unexpected ways. And I want you to know this. We can't see... Satan, and his well-organized army of demons, but we know they're there. We feel the intensity of their attacks, and we see the devastating results of their attacks in people's lives, in people's marriages, in the causes that are being promoted in our own culture and nation. We see it happening in churches. But you talk about a powerful, real-life, relevant example what happened in Sri Lanka last Sunday to the Christians there on Easter Sunday an unexpected terrorist attack and the news came out this week I know many of you already know this but that those who were in charge of the nation's security There were signs that this was going to happen. Signals that this may happen and they were ignored. And so some of their top security officials were dismissed from their positions just this past week. What an analogy. Satan loves to attack attack us. At unexpected times. In unexpected places. And in unexpected ways. But the warning signs are there, folks, and they're found in the Word of God. The warning signs are there, and we need to pay pay attention to those warning signs, and that is how Paul ends the book of Ephesians. Satan's army is everywhere we go, and we can't escape the conflict. Satan and his demonic hosts will attack our minds. They will attack our emotions. And they will attack our bodies. One example. Fascinating example, at least to me. I've always been intrigued by it. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul said that he was transported up to the third heaven and he was given these great... Revelations from God. Then when you move down to verse 7 of chapter 12. Paul says. But to keep me. From becoming. Conceited. Because of these surpassingly great. Revelations. There was given to me. A thorn in the flesh. And then it says this. It says there was given to me. A thorn in the flesh. In the flesh. A messenger From Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. I don't know about you, but that's like, wow. He was not... We know about his thorn in the flesh. But in 2 Corinthians 12, it says that this thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan. In the English Standard Version, the ESV, that I am preaching from this morning, says... It was a messenger from Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. I think we need to learn a very important lesson from the Israeli army. The the Israeli army is one of the smaller armies in the world, but they are one of the best trained armies in the entire world. And the reason they are so well trained is because they are surrounded by nations that are hostile to them, some of those nations, which are committed to their destruction. And so the Israeli army is trained to expect the possibility of an attack on their soil every day. That there is the potential for an attack every single day. They are always on high alert. And that's a good analogy for how I think God wants us to live our lives. We are always on high alert to the attacks of Satan. We are always putting on the armor of God. We are always reviewing our identity and position in Christ. We think of that famous passage. Many of you know it well. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. That's not simply an analogy, that is reality. Be self controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Not just to harm a little bit, not just to wound, but to devour. Resist him. How do we resist him? By standing firm in the faith. So our second point this morning is who is this enemy we fight against? And I know some of this is basic, but I think it's so important to understanding spiritual warfare in the armor of God. Actually, the Bible states that we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, meaning this world system, its philosophical system of atheism, secularism, that which is opposed to anything that may be biblically Christian. We have the flesh our own struggles with our own self-indulgences and self-appetites and then the devil. And I may allude to all three of these enemies in this section because they are inseparable. But our main concentration is going to be Satan and his demons because that is Paul's focus. And though I know many of you know this well, I want to go over it with you again. Satan is real. He is on the attack, and he engages in everything that is evil. Brutality, violence, abuse, hatred, sinful pride, arrogance, etc. In liberal theology, and in fact, I just read something recently. The leader of Union Seminary in New York, teaching that Satan is not real. That he's just a concept, a symbol. Let me tell you folks, Satan loves that. He loves that. Yep, it's all I am. Just a symbol, just a concept, just some cartoon character representing evil. And we need to know Satan is very real. He is a person. He is an angelic being fallen from heaven. But he is very real. And one of the most important statements in the entire section on the armor of God is found in verse 12. Never forget this. Memorize it if you have to. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We see people... With whom we have conflicts. We see groups that are opposed to us. We see causes that we know are not right or not biblical. But there is something far deeper than that. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Remember that, remember that, remember that. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, that quote from Tony Evans. Your problem, your conflict, your intense situation may seem to be visible and physical, but its underlying root is invisible and spiritual. Now, that last half of verse 12. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms or the heavenly places. It appears to us from scripture that Satan has a very well organized military hierarchy he has a very well organized demonic army we don't know a lot about it, we do know if you're familiar with the book of Daniel in the last half of the book of Daniel we see the archangels, Gabriel and Michael doing battle with what are called in the book of Daniel the princes of particular kingdoms which many, if not most, believe are high up demons warring against, warring against Michael and against Gabriel. And we see this in the book of Revelation so vividly with the forces of Satan fighting against the forces of God. But having said that, I want us to be very careful. We do not know a lot about that military hierarchy. There have been people who have tried to break down authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces, and you only get yourself in trouble when you do that. We simply do not know a lot about them, a lot of speculation, a lot of sensationalism related to that. Let it suffice to say that he has a very well-organized military hierarchy That is on the attack. And we need to know. I need to know. You need to know. Satan. Is at war with you. And he is at war with you. Because his arch enemy. The person that he hates the most. Is the king of kings. And the lord of lords. Our savior and lord Jesus Christ. And because you belong to Christ. He is at war. With you. Satan is attacking the causes of Christ, and those who belong to Christ. His primary target is not those who already belong to him. He's really not after the atheists and the agnostics and the secularists and those who are ardent adherents to false religions. He's got them. He's got them. He's going after those who can do the most damage to him, and that's you. And that's you. When you understand who you are in Christ, when you're part of a New Testament local church and you're living out the reality of a risen Savior that I shared with you last Sunday, when you're living like that, you can do great damage to Satan and his forces. That's why he is after you. There are no rules of war, he will do whatever it takes to discourage Christians. To humiliate Christians and to destroy their testimonies for Christ. One of the things most often forgotten by Christians today. Is that we live on Satan's territory. Now this might be a little bit new for some of you. We live every day in Satan's domain. 1 John 5.19 We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Fascinating verse. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Three times in the gospel of John. In chapters 12, 14, and 16. Satan is called the prince of this world. you know who calls him the prince of this world? Jesus does. Three times in the gospel of John. At least three times. Jesus calls him the prince of this world. The battle we fought. Excuse me, the battle we fight is fought in the enemy's territory. Christians today are fighting a war on foreign turf. You know where home is? Heaven. Home is heaven. Right now, we're in his territory. Now, some of you might be saying, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor Tim. Isn't Jesus Lord of all? Didn't the great theologian and statesman Abraham Kuyper once say that every square inch of human existence belongs to Christ in his sovereignty over which he cries, Mine. Isn't that true? And the answer is, yes, it is true. He is Lord of all. He is Lord over all. But, within the sovereignty of God he has allowed Satan a measure of rule for this time until he returns and the Bible clearly tells us that he rules this domain yes, Christ is more powerful than than him and is sovereign over all but Satan has been allowed to have a great measure Of rule and authority in this world. Remember, the whole world, John tells us, is under the control of the evil one. David Jeremiah, in his work on the armor of God, says that Satan has three primary goals. One is to attack you individually. He wants to discredit your testimony for Christ. He wants you to say things, do things, get involved in things that destroy your testimony for Christ. You know what he wants to do? He wants to shut your mouth. He wants you to be, he wants you to live in shame. He wants you to live in guilt and frustration so you don't witness to anybody. Satan's favorite Christian is a silent Christian. Satan's favorite Christian is a silent Christian. Second, David Jeremiah says Satan wants to attack your family. He wants to put a divide in your marriage. He wants to cause havoc, to wreak havoc within your marriage, with your children. He wants there to be so much turmoil in your home, you don't even think about being effective for Christ. And third, David Jeremiah says, Satan is always ready to attack the church. And his attacks of the church are often sneak attacks. You don't realize they're coming. They're very subtle. There's conflict within. There's false teaching, false beliefs. But he loves to get the church to be in turmoil Fighting with each other because when they're fighting with each other they're not going to be effective as a gospel witness so our third and final point is this we must be prepared to fight if we are to put on the armor of God we must be convinced that we are in constant danger and that the war rages around us in verse 12 when it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood the word wrestle is a fascinating word it pictures a man wrestling with another man, pressing hard, straining every muscle to pin him to the ground. He uses, his, he uses all of his energy to resist. This is what I want you to imagine with me. Here is the picture. Here is the word picture of wrestle. It means that you are engaged in a fight, a hand-to-hand combat with someone who wants to kill you. And you're doing everything you can to hold him off and to pin him to the ground. But here's the difference. You're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in God's strength. You're doing it in the strength of the Lord. You're doing it in the spiritual strength that is given to us by the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Then wrestle. Then wrestle with those demonic forces. One writer said this. As Christians, we are not called to a time of relaxation in the summer sun. We are called to a serious struggle with unforeseen forces and the fight is real. Let me say that again. As Christians, we are not called to a time of relaxation in the summer sun. We are called to a serious struggle with unforeseen forces and the fight is real. The word of God exhorts us to put on the whole armor of God. Twice, just in these first four verses, Paul tells us to put on and then take up the whole armor of God. If we have to be told that, that means something. It means it doesn't happen automatically. We must understand the armor and know how to put it on. You have to do something. You have to do something to get ready for the battle. You are not like a soldier. You are not similar to a soldier. You are a soldier. And as soldiers, you have been given all the necessary weapons you need. But you must take them up and use them. And here's something I'm going to emphasize throughout this series. Because of the cross of Christ, we have all the necessary weapons to fight the enemy in this raging war. Folks, I know you've heard it before, and you'll hear it again in this particular series. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. The victory was won for us on the cross. We are fighting as the victorious servants of Christ. But nonetheless, we are in a very serious battle for the souls of men and women and children. God help us. God help us to open our eyes to the reality of spiritual warfare. God help us to take up the armor and to be brave warriors in the greatest cause mankind has ever known. The cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. George Duffield, a famous hymn writer, once wrote a hymn called Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And in one of the verses, which we're going to sing in just a few minutes, he writes this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be strong in the strength of the Lord. Help us to be strong in your might. And help us, Lord. As we work through the end of the book of Ephesians, help us to learn as a body of believers to put on the whole armor of God. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.